my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that this episode finds you well and thriving with the sun shining on your face and you receiving all of that vitamin D. And if it's raining where you are, I pray that you are receiving it as an opportunity to slow down and to get comfy and to rest. And if it's cold, I hope you're bundled up with something warm and cozy. But wherever you are, I hope that you are staying present in the moment. And I pray that you are meeting it with gratitude for life and for breath today. We are just so happy that you are here. We are so happy that we get to to speak to you, to love on you, to touch you. And so the world is better because you're in it. So receive that, receive that today. With that said, y'all, today's episode, we are talking about what to do when you figure out that you were, were, are the toxic person in a relationship. And maybe you were the reason why things did not work out well. I got this question from our text community. So I have a uh, free text list for those of you who don't know where I will send out inspiration and um, encouragement a couple times a week. And sometimes I will survey the audience to ask them what questions that they have, what things they want feedback on, just, you know, to know if maybe I can insert something in the podcast or go live about it on social media and, you know, teach a mini lesson. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coast of Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes on your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coast of Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that 
I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black-owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus, they're vegan-friendly and free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code HEAL10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with Black Girl Vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. If you want to join that text list so that you don't miss any updates or any inspiration or the ability to give me feedback for things that are coming out, I really do plan a lot of things based on what the text community tells me and what y'all vote on. (laughs) So if you don't want to miss any of those opportunities, you can join for free by texting the word podcast to the phone number 832-219-7815. That number is also in the show notes, but just one more time is 832-219-7815. And I hope to welcome you all in soon. So that's what I did this past Monday. This Monday, I sent out several questions to the text list and got all of their feedback and all their responses. And so I was really excited. And this question stood out to me. And I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but it was something to the effect of, what do you do when you find out or when you figure out that you were the toxic one in the relationship? And the way that it sounded is as if this was something that happened in the past and it's just, it's something that happened with reflection and maybe you're starting to hold yourself a little bit more accountable. And so that's what I want to talk about in this episode, Um, that after reflection, after you are doing some of your healing work and your growth work, you're wondering, maybe it was me. Maybe what I was so clear was the other person Maybe there were some parts that I had to play that I wasn't open to or I wasn't that I couldn't see at the time because of where I was. And now I'm ready to do that work. Right. And maybe some of you that wasn't even on your radar until you saw this podcast episode. And so you clicked it because you're like, I wonder if this could be me. And so what I want to do in today's episode is I want to talk about some of the toxic behaviors that I see love addicts and love avoidance do in their relationships, just for you to kind of put some words to what's going on and for you to see, oh, um, this might be something for me to look at and for me to work on. And then I want to talk through what do you do if that is your scenario, if that is your situation? What are the steps that you can take after you have ascertained that maybe maybe the problem was what I was bringing to the partnership or to the relationship. So let's start with some toxic behaviors. To be clear, this list is not going to be exhaustive. It's not going to be every single toxic behavior that someone can always, can someone can do in a partnership. It's just going to be the ones that I see the most often. So this may stir up some recognition, some self-recognition, Um, of your own past or things that you've seen in other people that you would want to add to this list, which I totally encourage you to do so. And also, I'm going to do a heavy emphasis on when I'm talking about these toxic behaviors and how they can be connected to our trauma, because that's what we talk about here, right? We talk about love addiction and love avoidance, um, you know, hyperfixation, hyperattachment to dysfunctional people or hyper... uh, um, um, separation, I think I said detachment, hyper detachment from folks because of fear of being hurt and feel fear of being overwhelmed, which shows up as love avoidance. I'm going to talk about that in between some of these different um, actions that is important for you to have on your radar to keep a lookout for. So the first one, with all that said, the first one is actually something that all couples have to experience, but I want to say it here because it's going to set the stage 
for the other toxic behaviors, which is poor communication and in the way of not communicating your emotions and your thoughts to the other person. So there are lots of reasons why people will not communicate. Sometimes they don't communicate because they're afraid of rocking the boat. They're afraid of making the other person mad. They're afraid of uh, their needs looking, sounding dumb or sounding immature or sounding uh, selfish or um, being too big for the other person to actually follow through with. So they just hold it all in. And meanwhile, that just adds more resentment, that adds more need. Uh, it adds more um, that place of feeling forgotten. If you're in a healthy partnership with somebody or if you're in a partnership with someone who is healthy and wants to show up for you, that is going to cause a lot of friction in your relationship because a healthy partner actually wants to attune to you. They want to love you. They want you to let them in. They want to hear the good things and they want to hear the bad things. They don't want you just to be a robot. They don't want you to just lay there and say yes to everything. They want you to have texture. They want you to have a voice. They want you to have that spirit inside of you. That is what it has attracted you to them. There are tons of pretty faces. There are tons of bodies in the world, but they were they were and are attracted to your spirit. And so if you go into a relationship and you go into becoming needless and wantless and, and voiceless because you're afraid that they will leave you or abandon you, you are actually causing more distance in the partnership by trying to avoid that. Okay. Um, and also you're not getting your needs met. So it's destructive both ways. The second reason or another reason why people will not communicate is because uh, they are used to withholding emotions because they don't know how to talk about what they feel. They don't know how to say, you made me angry when you did this, or I was upset about this, or um, I'm feeling really lonely right now, so I need you to stay here. So what they will do instead is sometimes stonewall, sometimes stonewalling, meaning by not expressing, like just shutting down and not communicating what you're thinking, what you're feeling when you're upset and, and being, giving the silent treatment for long periods of time to try to teach the person a lesson, even after they apologize, even after they try to make it better, that silent treatment and that stonewalling is continuing to create distance and separation in your relationship. Um, sometimes it is, we, you may stonewall or shut down or not express what you're feeling because you are afraid of, of, of losing control. And so for you to actually be vulnerable and tell somebody what you feel and what you think would be you giving them a leg up. It would be you, uh, giving them power and, um, influence over you, which may have gone wrong for you in the past. So you have learned in relationships to be super independent, to be super reserved and super cut off. And similar to what I just said about the first one, when you have that type of energy, I kind of imagine you have that wall up and it's a very slick wall, right? So nothing, anything that comes at you, you've built this defense mechanism that it just bounces off of you, right? So it's very effective when you are in toxic and destructive relationships or work settings or family backgrounds, like it's very effective with that. But what that also does is thing, because things bounce off of you, they can't attach to you as well. So going back to being in healthy and healthy partnerships or um, being in a partnership with someone who is healthy, who wants to love you and attach to you and get to know you, they have nothing to actually bond to because you have that slick wall that they can't get through and that there's nothing to hook on to, right? So the things that someone would hook on to are your emotions, are your thoughts, are your vulnerabilities, right? Velcro needs both sides. It needs like the sticky side and it needs the little soft side to attach. And so that's what you want to look like. That's what you want to um, think about in your relationships. You're looking for the other side of your Velcro. And so all of your needs and your voice and your opinions and the things that you're thinking and wanting are not bad things. But when you don't express them to the other person, you can't find the person who, you can't find the partner who is the other side to match for y'all to build that, um, that adhesion, that cohesion together, right? So hopefully that metaphor made sense. But 
toxic, a toxic behavior is not communicating to your partner what you need and then getting mad when they either don't do what you want them to do or when uh, they can't read your mind or when they start to say or when they start to fall out of love with you or say that because they can feel they don't feel like you are there and present in the relationship, they're considering breaking up or maybe they do break up with you. You know, but you haven't fully shown up with your full self. And so that is absolutely something for you to look at and to examine as far as your side in the relationship. And if that is difficult for you to let someone in, that you do the work that it takes for you to break down that barrier, especially when that person or especially when that person is healthy. Actually, not especially specifically when that person is healthy. If a person is toxic and unable to hold space for you, it's time to go. And that's different than someone being imperfect because we're all imperfect and we all have our bad days. But if, if, if I said the name of this episode was toxic behaviors and you're thinking about your partner and how destructive and chaotic and abusive they are, it's time to go. I always refer you to process that with the third party because I don't know you or and I don't know your situation. I am just sharing um, general support and tips on a podcast, but you need to get some help with someone to figure out where your boundaries are in this situation so that you are not spending months and years of your life trying to get someone to hold space for you that literally does not have the capacity to do so. And then you get to the place where you were taking that on and taking that blame on yourself as if you're doing something wrong when it has nothing to do with you. So there's communication. There's the first one. And let me go quickly through the rest of this list so that I can get you to the five steps for you to take. The next one related to communication, um, well, I guess it's not related to communication, but I wrote this here. This is kind of a, a niche thing that I've seen, and it's very, very much for my ladies who may identify as avoidant, and it is picking fights with your partner instead of engaging in affectionate activities. Ooh, girl. Okay, so what do I mean with that? I mean, well, exactly what it sounds like. So instead of you being able to connect to someone and stay in pleasant moments and stay in those soft and tender and um, very vulnerable moments, you will interrupt those moments by picking a fight or cracking a joke or deflecting the, the, the closeness because it's too overwhelming for you, Right. And so this is not for those of my ladies who are jokesters just in general and like you have a funny personality um, and, you know, just culturally, you know, we play the dozens and we we crack on people and all that stuff that can happen. But I'm talking about when this is your go to response that you cannot tolerate that receiving love and giving love to your partner uh, without it being uncomfortable to you. And you really pushing that away. What what happens with that is you don't allow yourself or your partner to actually be happy and actually truly enjoy each other. So specific examples I'm thinking of is you are laying around with your partner and, you know, you've just had an intimate moment and not even necessarily sex, but you've had just an intimate moment where maybe you've shared some things together or you're, you're just sitting there in peace and is getting to be a little bit too much for you. And so you may punch them in the arm or maybe you might pick a fight at that moment or you may try to complain about something or say, oh, you and your big head, I can't stand you or something like that that interrupts the moment because you don't know how to say things like, you know what, I just really love you and care about you so much or you have a part of my heart that I have not been able to give to someone before. Or um, the way that you look at me, it just makes me feel so open and it just makes me feel like I just want to melt into your arms. Or you make me so happy and I am so happy that I get to call you mine or that I get to be your partner. You know, language that really plays into or allows you to be 
taken care of and you being the spot, the small spoon instead of the big spoon. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I know there's going to be a variation of reactions to people who hear that. There are going to be some people who are like, I say that all the time. I might say that a little bit too much. And we'll talk about what that looks like for you. But for my avoidant ladies who struggle with being tender and open with your partners, I get where that fear comes from. That that fear comes from maybe you're used to relationships not lasting. Um, That fear may come from you not actually having any models or witnesses to this. So maybe you've never seen a healthy coupleship where they were just soft and kind and loving to each other all of the time. And that was their normal, that there had to be some kind of spice or some kind of drama or some kind of chaos to mix it up. And I need you to know that life and love can be easy. It it can absolutely be easy and it can actually it can absolutely fit And those moments where you're connecting and being intimate and allowing yourself to attach securely to someone and allowing someone to say those things to you. So that's the other thing. It's not only giving, it's also receiving. So when your partner comes and shares their emotions with you and shares their tenderness with you, do you deflect it? Do you change the subject? Do you crack a joke? Do you... um, Say that they're too emotional or they're too soft, especially if they if you're a person who is in relationships with men and you have stereotypes that men have to be um, bullish all the time and hard and emotionless and machines and then low key on the side, resenting that stereotype at the same time. And so when you get in a partnership with someone, a male get in a partnership with a male who is actually expressive with their emotions, you don't know what to do with it. And um, um, it almost turns into a little bit of disgust for you. But going back to the original question, as you're reflecting on your relationship history, on, on all the relationships that passed on before, now you're reflecting on those moments and thinking, wow, like those were actually really sweet moments. And those were really great opportunities for me to meet my partner where he or she was at the time when they were trying to be emotionally open with me. Um, That was a time for me to receive the love that they were trying to give me instead of me trying to push it away because I didn't feel worthy of it, because I was scared of it, because it made me feel so small and so undeserving because I never had something that that rich and pure before without me having to earn it or without me having to to control it. Right. And so that is another toxic behavior. Okay. For real this time, I'm going quickly through the rest of them. (laughs) Another type of toxic behavior that I've seen is jealousy, obviously. So struggling with whether or not to trust your partner. With all these toxic behaviors, in case it wasn't clear, I am framing them as if you were in partnership with someone who was healthy and you were looking and seeing, okay, these are the toxic behaviors that I brought that sabotaged the relationship. So if you're feeling jealous, because you're in a relationship, you are in a relationship with someone who's a serial cheater. Um, that's betrayal trauma, and your reaction makes sense, right? Because you have cause and evidence and receipts and and real trauma related to that person um, um, being unfaithful to you. So I'm not talking about jealousy in that respect. I'm talking about you're with someone who, you know, comes home and is is where they're where they say they're going to be. They are completely trustworthy. They show in their character and their actions and their words and their ability to say, I'm sorry, their ability to make amends, their ability to treat you, that they are there and fully present for you. And you still, based on your own previous trauma from previous relationships or from your own family trauma or things that you've witnessed that other women in your life have gone through or maybe what your friends are going through or what you watch on TV with reality TV, you bring any and all of that drama and trauma into your partnership and you insert it there when there's no cause for it to be there. So this can also go with things going too good. So you start to um, look for reasons that they may be cheating and look for things in their phone and ask suspicious questions when there's really no cause to ask those questions. And what that does, y'all, and I know that in popular culture and a lot of Things that we see, we kind of like poke fun at like these questions a lot. Like it's satire 
is entertainment. The storylines are played up in TV. But what that does with someone who's securely attached to you and someone who really loves you is that's really hurtful. It's really hurtful because in their everyday life, they are proving their fidelity to you. And, and things that you see every day, just that you have a front row view of and that you have front row access to, but even the things that you don't see. So if you're struggling with jealousy, what I would suggest for you to do instead, or if you used to struggle with jealousy in the past, I would encourage you just to consider what was it that I was actually trying to get from my questions and my insinuations with my partner? What was it that I actually needed? Chances are you were asking those questions because you were feeling threatened or insecure about some things and you were needing to be sure that they weren't doing anything on the side or that they were accurately uh, uh, um, denying advances from other people because you were wondering, am I really pretty enough to keep their attention? Um, You were wondering, will they actually get bored with me? Because you just had a good friend who broke up with their partner. They had been together for a long period of time. And now you were feeling insecure about your relationship, even though your relationship has been really strong. And so what you're needing is to have conversations around those topics intimately with your partner instead of going all around it and causing what could be ruptures in your communication and your trust because you're not really talking about the real issue, right? You look at the phone, you talk to them, and they're not cheating on you, but you still feel insecure because you didn't actually talk about what you felt insecure about. However, related to cheating, cheating is absolutely a toxic behavior. So either physically cheating or emotionally cheating or acting like you're cheating to make the other person jealous uh, as a way to create distance is absolutely a toxic behavior that I've seen happen a lot. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. And relationships with uh, or with the women who I support who are love addicts and love avoidance because of the same trauma responses and insecurities I've talked about before. So fear the relationship wasn't going to last anyway. So you go, you cheat to kind of uh, be prepared and the chance that it doesn't work out. This is not cheating, but what I've also seen a lot is women who just refuse to commit to partners who are really good to them, that they love deeply, that they could see a future with because of fear that it won't work out. So maybe you don't actually have people on the side or maybe you do, but you refuse to actually be their girlfriend or their partner because you're afraid of being left or abandoned down the road. And again, like I've said before in this episode and other episodes, people who are securely attached, even when they're trying to hold space for you, there is a limit that people reach and and that's healthy for them to reach that place. It's healthy for them to say, you know, this is, I know that you're going through this and I know that you're working through this and I know that you have a therapist and I know that you listen to that podcast or you got that coach, but look, (laughs) like I'm not going to be drugged through the ringer like this forever. I'm not going to put my life on hold forever. I love you, but I also love myself. That is an absolutely healthy thing for someone to say to you. That is a very good boundary for someone to hold. It's a boundary that you should hold for people as well. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, 
Get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So there's that's one type of toxic behavior. And for this last one, I'm just going to circle back to uh, what I started with, which is just the way that your emotions may impact your relationship and how how safe all parties feel. So if you have unchecked rage um, that you will unleash on your partner and just expect them to take it, expect them to take it because that's how women talk to, especially in heterosexual relationships. That's how women talk to men. And the stereotype is that men are just supposed to take it and women can go off and say whatever they want to say, put hands on, on their partners and do in, in queer relationships as well. Put hand on their put hands on their partners, and they're just supposed to take it because they're women, and that's how women do. And especially, or including queer relationships as well. You know, this is just how women are, and that is so so abusive, y'all. That is so abusive, and it's traumatizing not only for your partner, but it's also traumatizing for you. What I make up, if you're someone who can relate to this, is that you've had a lot of pain and a lot of things have been very overwhelming in your life. And you're just trying to keep it all straight, that you are trying to do the best that you can. And for you, is either you hold it in and you explode internally or you let it out and you explode externally. And that's a really, really hard place to be. Um I also make up that you probably didn't have a lot of safe places to talk about your emotions. So you've had to figure it out on your own. And and if that's you, I hear that and I get that. And I'm so sorry that you have not had safe places to receive, to receive everything that you needed people to hear at the time because your needs have always been valid and your voice has always been valid as well. And the ways that you're communicating what you're needing is not working because someone who has healthy boundaries is not going to take that emotional abuse. And the person who will stay in that is most likely someone who has their own dysfunctional cycle. So you're just matching energy and it's just reinforcing something that you're actually truly not being heard and you're not really being validated in the way that you need to. So so if that's you, where you find that your emotions tend to be very explosive and either you withhold them or you let them out in a way that's very, very high intensity, I would really encourage you, if you are not already connected to a therapist, for you to be connected to a counselor to talk through the sources of those emotions. Um because it's not as simple as, in this respect, it's not as simple as let's just go and uh, get some communication skills because usually your inability to communicate effectively and clearly in a way that's safe for you and also safe for the other person is because there's some underlying triggers and traumas that those types of conversations uh, provoking you, right? Um, and so... We got to clear out that trauma that makes makes existing, makes connecting, makes expressing, makes communicating really hard. And so, like I've like I talk about all the time, you know, these relationships are really just a mirror. These relationships are really all about the work that we have to do in ourselves, and relationships just bring that out of us. And so, if we try to do this outside in approach, and we try to solve these things by doing romantic getaways or making vows that it's not going to happen again or reading books where we don't really apply what we need to apply to get to the deeper root. We're only treating the symptoms. We're not actually treating the root cause of the issue. Okay. So I'm almost 30 minutes in, so I'm going to transition to the five steps. And I hope this beginning list is a helpful start for you to either uh, identify some behaviors that you can can look at or start the process of generating more toxic behaviors that actually apply to you. But 
let's go ahead and move into the five things for you to do if upon reflection you're realizing maybe you were the one who was bringing either all or a good part of the toxic behaviors in previous relationships and partnerships. And of course, this is not just romantic partnerships. This can be in family dynamics. This can be in friendships. This can even be in work relationships. If this is an area for you to pay some attention to, but uh, that is our starting place. So let's move into the five things that I would encourage you to do if you notice that this is the place that you are. The first thing is I want you to congratulate yourself for having this awareness. And I'm very serious about this being a first step and not something that you just say, okay, yeah, 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 but what's the actual stuff? I need you to write this down if you're taking notes to congratulate yourself for having this awareness. Why? There are so many sources and there are so many places in the world that if we're not careful, we can totally buy into that mindset that says, I am who I am. People can just take me or leave me. I'm not going to change. They need to change. If they have the problem, it's their issue, not mine. Meanwhile, we are going through life, exploding on people, cutting people off, not letting people love us. Uh, taking things super personally, trying to get people to show up for ways that cross their boundaries, us not expressing what we need to people and then being mad that they can't read our mind. Meanwhile, we're the ones causing all of these problems and saying that it's other people's issues if they don't fall in line or if they don't figure it out or if they can't hit the places in us that feel so weak and, um, and unloved because we're not even taking care of ourselves. You get what I'm saying? So you getting to a place where you're able to to look at this and be honest with yourself about this and be honest that there are places for you to grow is huge. That is huge. That's a very courageous place to be. And it's a very um, honest place to be that's going to provide so much transformation and change for you. And we do not celebrate our baby steps enough because these baby steps like this, this is the difference between you're walking straight down a path. And now with this awareness, now you've turned, you know, 30 degrees to the left. And in this 30 degrees to the left, you're going in a completely new direction now. You are not on the same path. Right. If you are looking at the things that you've done before and your previous relationships and you're feeling some guilt and some shame about that, I encourage you to practice some self-acceptance and some self-compassion that you were doing the best you knew how to do at the time. And now you know better. And now as long as you keep walking through this path and as long as you start getting the support that you need, you're not going to be here a year from now. You're not even going to be here six months from now or three months from now. Right. So congratulate yourself for moving 30 degrees to the left by doing this baby step and being honest with yourself. That's fantastic. The next thing I want you to do is I do want you to write out all the things that you did that were a little bit toxic, a little bit crazy, <laughs> a little bit dysfunctional. Go ahead and write down all those things. If you want to, to list out the relationships and you can even put them in categories between romantic partnerships or friendships or, or uh, family relationships and just write out what were the things that I did with them? Were there people that I stonewalled? Were there people that I didn't make time for consistently because I was afraid of getting too attached? Were there people that I was cheating on? Were there people that I didn't communicate what I needed? Were there people that I just completely projected my own stuff onto them, right? Go ahead and write all that down so that you can see it and so that it can be clear. This is not, I think people don't want to write things down sometimes, not only because they may feel like it doesn't work, which me being very much someone who is, um, uh, prove the process to me, like that's kind of how my brain thinks. Um, if something doesn't logically make sense to me, I'm not going to do it. And so writing things down just may, might seem like just, um, uh, uh, an extra task that has no place. But what happens when you can write things down is like you can actually see it. It is different than just thinking about it in your head because in your head, all these thoughts and all these things are just 
floating around and they're all just compiling on each other and it's actually not making sense. But when you write it down, you're actually able to make your, your recovery plan. You're actually able to make, um, make something that feels so messy clear. So writing this down is the next step for you. And what I was about to say is may also want to avoid that because it makes us feel bad, but this is just your forgiveness list. This is just a list of all the things that you get to let go and get to tear up and throw into the fire and no longer let hold you back, right? You're getting it out of your head, out of your spirit, onto paper. So that is no longer eating you up on the inside. So that's why we write things out. That's why we make a list. The second thing for you to do is to write out as much as you can, especially if there's some spaces in between. What did, why did I do what I did? What was I actually trying to get from here, from him or her or from the moment? So I gave some examples with the jealousy example, right? So uh, you're going through the phones and everything because one of your good friends just broke up and now you're wondering if real love actually exists. And so now you're looking for all the evidence to to make sure that your relationship doesn't crumble because you're feeling that insecurity. And so really what you're needing is to talk to your partner and for them to affirm, hey, do you still love me? Do you see any problems that are going on in our relationship? How can we be proactive and fix this? Like that's actually what you're needing, security. But the way that you're going about it is actually a little bit more destructive, right? If this feels really big, or really insurmountable, the emotions that come up for this, the fourth step is I want you to write out, when did this pain start? When did the pain, when did that need of what you're trying to get from that emotion, how far back does that go? Does that start with a previous romantic partnership or a best friend who betrayed you and now it's hard for you to trust people going forward? Did it start with family? Did it start with people letting you down with a father who wasn't consistent? Did it start with a mother who was very critical? Did it start with a grandparent who uh, was an addict and you watched all those things happen and it caused some, some distrust in you for future relationships, right? When did this start? And then the fifth one, I'm over here pausing as if I'm teaching this to y'all live. I, I guess I'm still in retreat mode. And also I'm still doing, I do group calls every week for my coaching students. So, and we just had one last night. So yeah, I'm still in teaching mode. Anyways, y'all can pause or rewind for whatever you may need. But the fifth one is once you have all that down, once you've dumped out all of those thoughts and all those emotions and all those feelings and all those things that, and the clarity of what was it that you were trying to get from those moments and from those people, now it's time for you to clear out those traumas. It's time for you to clear them out by talking about them with a licensed mental health professional, like I already shared. So finding a therapist in your area to talk to. Um, looking for resources uh, to help you with that, even if it's outside of therapy. I know some people do energy work. I know some people go to healing retreats, like the one we just did a couple of weeks ago that was really great to, to talk about these things in a little bit more detail. Um, I know that in our program, we teach some tools for you to work through triggers in the moment and interrupt that cycle when you're feeling very emotional to where you do want to act out or shut down or blame or explode or disappear or break up and for you to not act in those toxic moments, but to do something differently. So your fifth step again, to be clear, is to clear it out by engaging in resources to support you with that process. Part six or... A bonus one, because I didn't have this on my list, but I just realized that this person was probably not asking just for how do I deal with these toxic behaviors in my own self-healing journey, but am I able to go and reconcile with that person? Can I, can I have a second chance? And that might be what some of you are thinking as well, right? 
Um, you may be thinking about maybe you're even currently in the partnership and you're listening to this. And you're like, wow, I've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff this whole time. And I bet that they are sick of me. And now you're feeling really insecure in your relationship. If that is the case, and if that is the case, I'll start with that one. If that's the case and you're with a healthy person, I promise you that if you go back to that person right now, this minute, and say that you realize that maybe the way that you've been exploding on them or not communicating to them or you know, playing games with the commitment, I promise you, I bet money, I bet money, and I don't even bet money, I bet money that they will be so happy to hear that and so appreciative. Like That's what they've been waiting for. They've just been waiting to see you. They've just been waiting for you to come home, sis. And so I I would encourage you to communicate that and you don't need to follow up with like any promises, especially because, especially if you're not connected to resources and support to help you break those cycles yet, all you need to do is come with the I'm sorry and that you want to do better and you're going to be learning more about it. Um, but I would not promise that you're never going to get angry again or you're never going to do X, Y, Z again because you don't know. You don't know if you've been doing this your whole life. And this is not me giving like permission for it to happen, obviously. But it's more like if you've been doing a certain coping mechanism for decades of your life, it's not going to change overnight. You're literally going to have to unlearn the reflex and impulses that you've had before and replace them with new behaviors. That's going to take time, right? So it's okay for you to not have a concrete step. And I think for my really codependent sisters, that's going to be really hard to just let your I'm sorry be enough without you having to try to make up for all the bad things you've done before. But I promise you that's good. For relationships that you're no longer in, um, family, romantic, or friendship, or otherwise, I cannot give a blanket answer to that because there's so many different scenarios. You could have been toxic with someone who was toxic as well, and you reaching out is only going to rekindle that relationship, or they can respond in a way that's very hurtful and damaging to you, so it wouldn't be helpful to respond. It could be that you are in a healthier place, but that person is still very hurt by what happened. And so you reaching out even to apologize would actually injure that person more. And it would be more for you than for them, right? Or it could be a situation that, you know, they felt really hurt by, but they were really welcome having a conversation with you. And either you can absolutely reconcile or the conversation is good for closure, but you actually can't rekindle the family or the, the friendship relationship or the romantic partnership. And that, that season, that chapter is actually over. I don't know your scenario. And so for that, you need to talk with an outside person <laughs> to process what would be the next best step for you, right? Um, I've said this before as well. Look at me. I guess I've said lots of things before. <laughs> But one thing that I say all the time when it comes to healing intimacy disorders is that you cannot heal an intimacy disorder by yourself. You can't. It's the core of it. The core of intimacy is that you need relationships and other people and you need the ability to just allow yourself to to be supported and to be held and to get wisdom, to not have to know it all yourself. And so... um talk through these scenarios with someone depending on what's going on with you to get that clarity and also you know especially if it's someone that you really loved or currently love it can be really hard to to hear that maybe this is not the right time or that is not possible for your own mental health and for their mental health and that doesn't mean that you won't you will you can still feel very sad about that you can still very much mourn a relationship that has been dead for a long time. You can mourn it all over again. And so you want to be connected to someone to talk you through that and to walk you through that so that you don't feel it doesn't sour your experience where you don't ever want to do this process again. Because even though it is hard, it is also very healing to do. 
So here at Black Girls Heal, even though I was trained as a therapist and I was a licensed therapist for over a decade, I do not provide therapy for women. What I have done is I've created resources related to my therapy experience and especially to my coaching experience to create resources for women to use in their everyday life to support them with these things. And so right now I'm specifically thinking about our tapping course that uh, I've really been encouraging my coaching students as of late to really utilize in their everyday life to tap through their emotions and tap through the things that are going on with them. So in our recovery school program, we have we have several different courses related to whatever you're wanting to work on. So things about self-esteem or love addiction or building boundaries and things like that. And so one of the courses is specifically related to really teaching you this tool and giving you scripts where you can work through these emotions and process them and interrupt that cycle. And then we have our monthly coaching call where women come with their questions and we talk through their specific scenarios and situations to help give them clarity and support as well. And then connecting them to the rest of the tools and resources that they can use to self-study their way through it or to use the community to help. So I think that would be a great resource for women who are listening to this and they're like, I need something to help me with these toxic behaviors and I need something to help me now. Uh, you can join immediately. This is different than our um, our private coaching programs uh, like Avoid Into Available, which is where we take a deep dive into dating and and relationships for single women who identify as love addicted and love avoidant. This is for all women, no matter your relationship status, who are needing support and resources for the whole range of things that affects us as love addicts and love avoidance, from self-worth to the way our trauma impacts us, to building better boundaries, to working through the beginning stages of love addiction to get some relief and um, working through situationships and breaking trauma bonds. That's what the Recovery School 2.0 is for. For those who are like, I asked about that and it wasn't available. You are correct. It was gone and we brought it back due to popular demand. So you can go to therecoveryschool.com to learn more about it and join and get access to those resources and learn and come to our group call and ask questions in the community and we will support you there. So that is it. For this episode, I hope that you found this helpful. I am sending you all so much positivity and and bright lights for those who are just now starting this process of unlearning these toxic behaviors. Please, 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 whatever you do, please get extra support and help. These are not things that we can logically think through. Yes, the awareness to step number one is a huge deal. But a lot of times we are doing toxic things that we think are completely normal, that's not even on our radar. And it's only until we start talking through what's actually happening in our relationship with somebody else, especially someone who is an expert or trained to help us with this, that we'll realize, wow, I've really been doing this this whole time. Or you're telling me that that's not the healthy thing to do. So please, please, please talk to your healthy, trained support system, whoever they are, about the things that you've heard today and the things that you continue to learn about your relationships. And if you would like to add us to your support system, we got you. Um, Feel free to send us a message and we're happy to point you into the right direction, whether it's us or someplace else. So we are sending you so much love. I am sending you so much love. (laughs) And I hope as always that you're taking care of yourself. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.